What's your life for? Why, why are you here? That question uh, seems easier to answer in some seasons of life. And it can be harder to answer at others. Why are you here? Why are you alive right now? It's a question Frank asked me this week in the hospital. I'm alive. Why? It's a good question. I can actually help you with that. I know why you're here, at least in a general sense. If you're a follower of King Jesus, your whole life is a process of walking his footsteps behind him. Your whole life is a process of being conformed to Jesus. So I'll tell you why you're here. I'll tell you why you exist. You exist to know Jesus, to love Jesus, to follow Jesus, and over time to become more and more like Jesus. And what's Jesus like if you're to become more and more like him? Well, there's a lot of ways we could describe him, but I'll just keep it simple. He's holy, and he's the king. So if you're becoming more and more like Jesus in this life, you should expect a growth in, in, in those two tracks, a growth in holiness as well as a growth in your ability to lead. He's the king. So if you're going to become more like him, you should be becoming more like him in that way too. And we talked about this two Sundays ago before Corey preached for us last week. If you trust Jesus... You've been adopted into a royal family, which means you have a royal calling to submit to the rulership of God in your life and to spread the message and effects of Jesus' kingship wherever you go. So you may not have some kind of office or some kind of position of leadership, but you've been called to be a, an emissary, an ambassador of Jesus, one who goes Wherever you go, submitting to the rulership of Jesus and inviting others to do the same. So what does this lifestyle of leadership look like? The lifestyle of leadership to which God has called us means this. First, telling the news of King Jesus and bringing about his purposes wherever you have influence. And we call this spreading God's kingdom. God's kingdom on earth. Jesus prayed in the Lord's prayer, your kingdom come, your, your will be done. The kingdom of God is when the will of God is done on earth as it is in heaven. And so when we go and tell somebody, Jesus is your king, whether you believe in him or not, he is your king. And when we enact the works of the gospel, the kingdom is coming. Why did Jesus die? Whew, there's a lot of answers there. I heard one about sin, to forgive our sin. What's another reason Jesus died? You can shout out. We're already late. We had, we had Liam come up. I had to sing an extra song. We got plenty of time. Beatrice? To save us. To save us from what? Save us from death. So save us from sin. Save us from death. Give us eternal life. Jesus came to make all things right. What did sin cause in the world? Every problem we have, conflict, pain, sickness, death, all of it. Jesus came to make all things right. So, when you, Christian, go out and feed the poor, 
You feed the hungry. When you care for the sick. When you confront injustice and brokenness and you do it all in the name of Jesus, what's happening? God's will done on earth in heaven, uh, done on earth as it is in heaven. As we tell people about King Jesus and we bring about the effects of what Jesus intended to do, as we are making all things new, even today, we are bringing the kingdom of God on earth. Where do you do that? Wherever you can. Wherever you have influence, that's a life of leadership. And so it's not an office, it's not a position. So think about that. Regardless of your age, kids and older folks, regardless of your age, regardless of your gender, regardless of your background, regardless of your maturity level, As God created Adam and Eve to represent his reign and his purposes on earth, so God has put you here for that same purpose. This is your responsibility, to be a representative of King Jesus everywhere you go. So, I want you, individual, to think about your world. Tomorrow, you're not going to be here. Well, like four of us will be. Think about the people over whom you have influence on a day-to-day basis. Think about the, the, the places where you have influence. I don't have influence over those same people. I don't have influence over those places. In fact, you may be the only person in this room who has influence among those people and in those places. You might be the only Christian that has influence among those people and in those places. And as an emissary of Jesus, you, in particular, are responsible to represent him, his message, and his purposes among those people and in those places. So as you go out tomorrow school, to work, to the gym, to wherever you go. You're called to go looking for two things. Where is Jesus' name not known? And what is broken here that he would desire to restore? That's not the job of the clergy. It's not the job of the evangelist, the activist, the missionary. Now, that's the job of the Christian child, the Christian co-worker, the Christian employer, the Christian retiree. This is the job of every follower of Jesus to go out with a different set of glasses that we're looking and saying, what does Jesus want to say here? What does Jesus want to do here? Because I am a part of this royal family. I'm responsible to bring his kingdom here in this place, in my world, among my people, in my places. And so that means, especially dad and mom, you're responsible for how the will of Jesus is carried out in your home. If you're retired, sorry to break this to you, but you haven't finally reached your opportunity to coast and relax and wait for heaven. As I told Frank in his hospital bed the other day, 
in your retirement, you have the most potential for the kingdom of God. You may not have much energy, but trust me, energy and wisdom are not the same thing. So your retirement is an opportunity to invest deeply in the people God's put in your life and the places that God has given you. Whatever your age, whatever your maturity level, your money, your time, your body, and your life, it's all given to you for this one thing, spreading the message and effects of the gospel of Jesus among the people and places God has put in your life. That is why you're here. So, when you realize the gravity of God's purpose for your life in this current season, the appropriate response is a sense of inadequacy. <laughs> what? That's my job? How, how am I going to do that? Me, of all people? When Solomon took the throne from his father, David, a great weight was placed on his shoulders because the task was too big for him. And undoubtedly, the same is true for us. Leading well among our people and in our places is a task too great for any of us. We're not Jesus. So how could we live like Jesus? How could we love like Jesus? How could we lead like Jesus? How could we do Jesus' work here in this place? Let Solomon's words encourage you as he feels the same way you likely do. And if you don't, you should. Look at verses 7 and 8 in chapter 3. And now, O Yahweh, my God, you've made your servant king in place of David, my father, although I am but a little child. I don't know how to go out or come in. And your servant is in the midst of your people whom you have chosen, a great people, too many to be numbered or counted for multitude. So Solomon realizes that the task is not just above his pay grade, it's above his maturity level. And he's not a kid. He's not a child. He, he's my age or older when he takes the throne. But he feels like a child sitting on the throne. When he says, I don't know how to go out or come in, that's a euphemism for, for leadership. But it's almost like he's saying, I don't know my head from a hole in the ground, so how am I supposed to lead God's people? I don't think he's blowing smoke. I don't think he's being, you know, this humble guy. He's, I don't think he's feigning ignorance. I think Solomon is being realistic about the state of every human being. And here's the, the truth. We are born fools. And unless God intervenes, we will die as fools. It's not uncommon to hear Gen X or millennial folks talking about imposter syndrome. If you haven't heard of imposter syndrome, it's this, despite any success in life, this person who has imposter syndrome just feels like they're a fraud waiting to be found out. Any success they have, it must have been a, a fluke. I think imposter syndrome should just be, now I'm a millennial, so I, maybe I'd say this, but I, I think imposter syndrome should probably just be called being realistic. Every human being is a fool and will die a fool unless God intervenes. 
We all have a heaping help of foolishness in our lives, hearts, and minds. And this language of foolishness or folly is really common in the books that, that Solomon wrote. It says, though, Solomon walking the streets of Jerusalem and just sees foolishness lurking around every corner. And I can assure you things have stayed the same since the time of Solomon. And I don't say that because I walk the streets of Covington and Madisonville and all I see is foolishness all around me, which I do. I say this because I see foolishness in me. I see foolishness in my children. And it's not something they picked up or that I picked up. We're born that way. Listen to this beautiful proverb that Solomon wrote. He said, does not wisdom call? Does not understanding raise her voice on the heights beside the way? At the crossroads she takes her stand. Beside the gates in front of the town, at the entrance of the portal, she cries aloud, To you, O men, I call. And my cry is to the children of man. O simple ones, learn prudence. O fools, learn sense. Take my instruction instead of silver and knowledge rather than choice gold for wisdom is better than jewels, and all that you may desire cannot compare with her. The foolishness of a child is to be expected. That's why they need parents, to keep them from sitting in the ant pile, to keep them from touching the hot stove, from sticking something into an electrical socket. But when foolishness blossoms and grows with age, it becomes shameful, embarrassing, even perverse. And yet Solomon speaks in this proverb as wisdom is this beautiful siren. She's calling out even to children, come, learn from me. Wisdom is available. Do you want to live the life that you were made for? Do you want to serve God and his purposes? Do you want to be a person who moves God's kingdom forward in this world? Then you need wisdom. Solomon got to the throne. And didn't have it. And you and I, unless God intervenes in our lives, we don't have it either. But where do we get wisdom? Again, Solomon tells us from personal experience. In Proverbs chapter 3, he says, Trust in Yahweh with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. So how are you going to represent Jesus among your people and in your places, how are you going to represent Jesus and bring about his kingdom in your home, in your neighborhood, in your workplace, and in this church? You can't unless he enables you to do so. You lean on your own best understanding and best thinking, you're toast. You're done. So our elders this summer... It really is last month and a half. We just had a heck of a time trying to figure out our budget and our plan for the year. We had a meeting like three weeks ago. I've, I, 12 years I served at this church. I've never had a vote so split down the middle. It's like we just couldn't come to terms with what God wanted us to do. So I, I said, guys, it's too late. It was like 930. Let's go home. We need two weeks to pray about this. And so we prayed and we prayed and we prayed and what I started realizing through this process was, wait, we're leaning on our understanding. We're thinking about what makes sense to us rather than kneeling before God saying, we don't know what to do. We can't know what to do. 
This task of leading this church is too great for us. We need your help. If we lean on our own understanding and our best thinking in any work, it's over. We're done. But if God will show up, if God will direct our paths, if we listen to him, then we're headed in the right direction. So Solomon tells us to do what he did. It's this, ask for God's wisdom and understanding for the task laid before us. That's what he does. He goes to God and asks for his wisdom and understanding. Look again at verses 7 through 9. And now, O Yahweh, my God, you've made your servant king in place of David, my father, although I'm but a little child. I don't know how to come out or how to go out or come in. And your servant is in the midst of your people whom you've chosen. A great people, too many to be numbered or counted for multitude. Give your servant, therefore, an understanding mind to govern your people, that I may discern between good and evil, for who is able to govern this your great people? As a kid, this is relevant to you kiddos, so little ones pay attention at least for this part. I had this principle beat into my head as a kid. My pastors used to say it. My teachers used to say it to me all the time. They say, pray for wisdom. I don't care how young you are. Pray for wisdom. Pray for wisdom. Pray for wisdom. And I've done it my whole life, sometimes with trepidation. And kids, at least, listen to me. For 12 years, I've been the pastor of this church. And I don't think I've ever preached a sermon where I said to pray for wisdom. So at least y'all are still young. Pray for wisdom. And I apologize to you adults that I haven't trumpeted this because it was beat into my brain. It's like an assumption I have that you should be praying for wisdom. It's such a simple request. I don't care how young or old you are, how big or how small the task God has given you. If you're going to fulfill your purpose in this life, if you're going to spread the message and effects of the gospel among your people in your places, you have to be asking God for wisdom. But why? We need wisdom because the work of serving God and his kingdom are too important for us to take on by ourselves. It's just too big. Listen to Solomon's words, and I think they're going to help you understand. Listen to the gravity of the task before in verse 8. Your servant is in the midst of your people whom you have chosen. A great people, too many to be numbered or counted for multitude. Give your servant, therefore, an understanding mind to govern your people, that I may discern between good and evil, for who is able to govern this your great people? Why did the task of governing Israel seem so heavy to Solomon? It's because of the people because of how precious they were to God. It's because of their importance. God has intentionally put people in your life so that they can experience the truth and love of Christ through you. And the weight of that responsibility is massive. If you don't feel the weight of it, I pray that you will. And I invite you to pray that you will. To see that the, the, the remarkable beauty and dignity and importance of every human being in your life, you have been given to them. Listen to this evocative language that Solomon uses in 8 and 9. He says, you can follow along. He says, and your servant is in the midst of your people whom you have chosen. 
These are people who are important to God. He says a great people, and the, the word great there means multitudinous. It's a ton of them. A ton of people, too many to be numbered or counted for greatness. Give your servant, therefore, an understanding mind to govern your people. That I may discern between good and evil, for who is able to govern this, your great, but this time it means honored people. This honored people, this people on whom you have shined your favor. Think about the people that God has put in your life. How precious they are to him. Your spouse. Your kids, grandkids, nephews nieces, the children of this church. These people are precious to God. And only you can love them the way that you can. It's not an accident here in their lives. What about your coworkers? What about your neighbors, your friends, your extended family? They, too, are precious image bearers of God. And some of them are living utterly unaware of their high dignity and value in the eyes of God. But you know, you know that they are jewels of creation that God has put under your care. So kingdom leadership means loving the people in your life the way that God loves them. How can you love them as God loves them? How can you speak God's truth to them as God would? That's a heavy task. And it requires wisdom. Are you asking God for wisdom? That's not the only reason that the task requires wisdom. We cannot serve God well unless our will, our thoughts, our imagination, and our affections are shaped by wisdom. Only then will we act with wisdom. Why do you do what you do? Why do you say what you say? Jesus said that our words come from where? Comes from our heart. Everything you do and everything you say is an unveiling, a revelation of what's inside of you. So if we're going to be about God's work, if we're going to be spreading the gospel's message and effects, if we're going to be loving people and speaking to people for Jesus, we've got to start right here. And only God can do that work. So what does Solomon ask God? Verse 9, give your servant, therefore, an understanding mind to govern your people, that I may discern between good and evil for who's able to govern this, your favored people. Solomon knew if he was going to act, act with wisdom, if he was going to speak wisdom among his people in his places, his internal disposition had to change. He had to think differently. He had to imagine and hope for different things. He had to love and want things differently. He needed wisdom in the inward places. And so he asked God to change what he couldn't change. If you're going to lead God's people well, we talked about those glasses. If you're going to go out tomorrow morning, if you're going to wake up and start looking for the broken things that Christ has called you to bring restoration to, if, if you're going to go out here looking for people who don't know the good news of Jesus and you want to have the guts and the capacity to tell them that Jesus is their king and that he loves them, if you're going to do this work, you've got to ask God to do some work in here. We have to have a heart and a mind 
less like us and more like him. And only God can do that. So are you asking him for wisdom? But even that's not the only reason this job requires wisdom. Here's the next one. You'll feel this one. The world is messy and confusing. So we need God's direction in our choices. Solomon asked to be able to discern between good and evil. He needed to be able to choose the right path for God's people. He also functioned as a judge. He had to referee disputes between God's people. How often are you faced (laughs) with that same kind of situation? I'm convinced that 75% of parenting is just playing referee between two little people who are convinced of their righteousness and their siblings' transgression. Uh, But if you're an employer, you deal with the same stuff, don't you? We won't even talk about the conflicts that happen between spouses, between neighbors, and really everywhere you go. If you're going to represent Jesus, the one who is bringing all things to fruition, to beauty, to resolution, if you're going to represent him among your people and places in this confused and conflicted world, you need wisdom, (laughs) big time. But more than that, you have to decide what's right for your family. You have to decide what's prudent in your work. You have to decide how to invest the time that you've been given. And every choice we make matters because of the impact it has on others. So if you want to make a difference in your life, if you're going to spread the message and effects of the gospel, you will have to choose wisely in this world. You'll have to discern not only the confusion and falsehood of the world, but you'll also have to discern how to live out the truth of God in the middle of it all. That takes wisdom. So are you asking God for wisdom? The call that he's given is too big for us on our own. We are, like Solomon, out of our lead, but league because leading like Jesus, leading for Jesus, loving for Jesus, is something that only Jesus can do unless he gives us his wisdom. And here's some really great news. He's willing. God is willing to give you wisdom for the work he's given you. Have I told you yet to ask God for wisdom? I'm trying to make up for 12 years of not telling you guys that in just one sermon. Solomon, overwhelmed by the task before him, we, he had the chance to ask God for anything. And for the record, you do too. If you believe in Christ, the door is open. You can ask God for anything. When Solomon could ask for anything, what did he ask for? Wisdom. And how did God reply? Look at verse 10. It pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this, and God said to him, Because you have asked this and have not asked for yourself long life or riches or the life of your enemies, but have asked for yourself understanding to discern what is right, behold, I now do according to your word. Behold, I give you a wise and discerning mind so that none like you has been before you and none like you shall arise after you. Solomon asked for wisdom God was more than happy to give it. Now, if you follow along with our reading plan, there's a sheets in the back you can follow along with. We're reading through 1 Kings. I'm not preaching every text in 1 Kings along the way, or maybe you're getting the email. You're going to see Solomon putting this wisdom into action immediately. Like the next two days' readings are just him using this wisdom that God gave him. But the message you and I need to hear is this. Yes, your kingdom calling is too big for you. But God is willing to give you wisdom that is up to the task. 
He's willing to give you the wisdom for the task that he's given you. So asking God for wisdom, I'm convinced, is one of those prayers that God never says no to. If you ask God, will you give me faith? Will you help me to love you? Will you help me to love your neighbor? What's he going to say every time? Yes, yes, and yes. And I'm convinced that a prayer for wisdom is the exact same. God's happy to give his children wisdom. As such, prayer for wisdom should be a daily activity for any Christian, whether you have a sense of your purpose or not. Maybe you're really struggling to know what's my purpose in life today in this season of life. If that's where you are and you don't have a clear idea of how God wants you to live your life right now, what should you do? Pray for wisdom. Now, if you have a sense of what God has called you to do, you feel the weight of it, what should you do? Pray for wisdom. It doesn't matter how old or young you are, how inexperienced or mature you are, you're never going to be as wise as God. So ask God for wisdom and he will provide. But... We must be prepared for how God will answer. God's willing to give you wisdom. But how does he do it? Well, first he does it through the scriptures. We gain wisdom when we wrestle with any scripture, but especially with books like Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and Job. I left off Song of Solomon. I'll preach about that later. But these three books, along with Song of Solomon, are collectively referred to as wisdom literature. Two of these are written by Solomon. But these books show us what it looks like to live a life of wisdom. You want wisdom like Solomon had? Go read Solomon himself. If you are daily asking God for wisdom, but you've never read these three books, what are you doing? (laughs) Get to reading. And Proverbs is super, super easy to read. What's today? Anybody know the date? September 17th. Somebody said 18th. It's all right. Your, your day ahead of the rest of us. All you got to do, Proverbs has 31 chapters. It's the 17th of September. Go read chapter 17. You never read Proverbs before? That's a great way to do it. You get up, you look at the calendar. Oh, today's the 18th. Well, I'm going to go read chapter 18. And if, you don't, if it's a month with 30 days like September, that's all right. Do it again in October and you'll get to Proverbs 31. When you read Proverbs, it is like the most easy to understand and easy to apply book of the Bible. It's just straight, practical wisdom. So if you have a sense that you're a fool, (laughs) that you need God's wisdom, go read Proverbs or go read Ecclesiastes or Job. Memorize them, meditate on them, mush them into your heart and mind. And kids, Proverbs is super easy for y'all to read and super important. It's written a lot of it like a dad to to their son. So this is a great one for kids to read or parents to read at the dinner table. We need wisdom and the scriptures provide it. So God's willing to give you wisdom. In fact, he has given us wisdom already in the scriptures. But there's a second way that God gives us wisdom. God gives us wisdom through failure, through suffering, and through experience. When you look at Solomon's life, especially when you read books like Ecclesiastes, you see quickly how wisdom is learned through failure and suffering, even through sin and repentance. So be prepared. If you ask God for wisdom, which you should be, you're asking to be pressed. You're asking for your flesh to be challenged. You're asking for your foolishness to get radically shattered 
you're asking for God to confront what's not right in you. And that hurts. Sometimes it hurts a lot. But it's through that pressing that we learn the mind and heart of God. That we learn to love what he loves. That we learn to want what he wants. It's through that process that we gain the wisdom and guts to actually say no to our flesh. And yes to what is good. It's through that pressing that we learn courage and perseverance and endurance. All these things that come with wisdom. We learn the heart of God. He who has suffered exponentially and infinitely beyond any suffering that we've gone through in this life. God's willing to give us wisdom. So ask him. He will give you wisdom. He does it in the scriptures. He also does it through suffering and experience. But finally, God sometimes gives wisdom through the miraculous work of the Holy Spirit. God prayed for wisdom. God said, you got it. Wise and discerning mind is yours. And we see him implementing that immediately. He did it miraculously. And can God do that for you? Yes. Let's say you're dealing with a difficult situation at work or in school or in your personal life. And you don't know how to move forward. Ask God for wisdom. And he can direct you. He can show you the right way to go. It's possible, kids, that as you pray and ask God for wisdom, that you're going to have old people with gray hair look at you and say, you have wisdom beyond your years. Where'd you get that? And you, with no gray hair, will have to look at them and say, I don't know. I guess God answered my prayer for wisdom. God still does this work. He is willing to give wisdom for the work he's given us. He does it through ordinary ways, through reading the scriptures, through suffering and experience, but he can also give it miraculously as he did to Solomon. So ask God for wisdom. Why am I convinced he's willing to give you wisdom? Because God's more committed to his glory than you are. Because God is more committed to restoring the people in your life and the places in your life. He's more committed to that than you or I are. He made you for his glory. He put you where you are among your people and places. This is his work. This is his plan. He wants you to succeed in telling others about Jesus and in spreading the effects of the gospel. He is all in on this thing. So why would he not give you the wisdom? To do what he made you for. Ask for wisdom. And expect God to surprise you with his provision. Ask him daily and fervently for wisdom. Wrestle with the scriptures. Especially books like Proverbs and Ecclesiastes and Job. Trust him. As you suffer. And as you sin. And as you repent and struggle. And keep asking for wisdom. As you do. He will equip you. With the wisdom you need. To represent Christ among your people in your places, for his glory. Let's pray. God, I pray for these men, women, boys, and girls who trust Jesus. And I pray two things. One, that they would see the gravity of the task before them. If you do not intervene, we will not 
represent Jesus well. We won't represent him at all. We'll represent ourselves. So help us to see the difficulty of the task before us, the people in our lives that are so precious to you, the brokenness in our places that you seek to undo and restore. Help us to see it. And then, Lord, I ask that you will not only give them the desire for wisdom, not only that they will pray for wisdom, I ask that you'll give them wisdom. This we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.